What's up, guys? Welcome back to the most inconsistent podcast of all time, the Sad FCD Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Duell, and I'm joined by my co-host, Joe Martinez. Joe, how's it going? Um, Good to be better, but pretty good. So, It's been a while, to say it's the been, least. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a long time. Quick explanation. I have t- twin 14-month-olds, so my house is pretty much just a state of chaos at all times. So finding quiet time to try to record a podcast is uh, pretty tough. Um, and by the time I, they're asleep and everything, I'm pretty much ready for sleep too, since I have work at 7 a.m. every day. But, uh, so since the last time we recorded, which by the way, I have it up right now. The last episode came out on August 25th, <laughs> which <laughs> is, uh, it's a while ago. Once again, sorry about that. But, uh, a lot has happened. Um, first thing I wanted to hit on was and by the way, we there's probably a, a main thing that a lot of people are tuning in to listen to. We will get on get to that later in the show. Um, first thing I wanted to hit on was that the sale of Zenic Cobra Andrasic w- was made official by uh, FC Dallas. It was something that kind of came out of nowhere to some of us. Uh, maybe those who are a little more well-connected and behind the scenes, it wasn't much of a surprise to. Um but it seemed really quick, you know, with a from when the rumors first came out that that uh, he was he was like had a personal reasons that he was going to leave the country, and FC Dallas was obviously you know a little vague when talking about it. But Lucci said something that had a lot of people uh, nervous when he said, uh, "We don't know when or if he was going to return." And I think that raised a lot of eyebrows. And sure enough, it wasn't too much later that FC Dallas was announcing that they had sold him to, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name, Victoria Pleasant or whatever. It's a team in the the Czech Republic, of course, Cobra's native Czech Republic. And they're they're one of the bigger teams there. Uh, I believe they're in the Europa League, I want to say, or war in the Europe, or going to be in the Europa League. Um... So, I mean, Joe, was this something that caught you completely off guard or was this something you kind of saw coming <laughs> whenever he stopped playing a good amount? It, uh, I had, I had, uh, Nevi Yelkov, uh, flashbacks once I heard <laughs> not even just the news, but just like the first rumor, which was like, yeah, we don't know when or how he's, yeah. if he's personal ever reasons, pers- personal reasons and whether, 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 how, or when he would come back and then you hear, you know, you know, third degree is kind of the best place for everybody to follow mm-hmm. FC Dallas. You know, that's like your first place you should check. And he uh, mentioned that, uh, yeah, there could be some fam- fam- family issues and um, more personal stuff that I guess, you know, it's, it's none of anybody's business really. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about a sell of a player, like in the middle of like your season, um, that's one of that's one of the reasons, and I, and I remember Nedelikov uh, having to leave because his girlfriend couldn't get a visa, I believe, mm-hmm. and then him getting really sad or yeah, um, missing that understandable. And I think Andrasik was just having his own personal family issues. Plus, so, on top of that, um, he wants to play for the national team. Yes, and you can't do that during these times if you're playing abroad. Yeah, that 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 is a good point, and. When I brought up, I brought up the national team uh, right when it happened too. But I was bringing it up more from a standpoint of, 
he wants to get into that national team. And if he's not getting minutes in MLS, then it's probably not, you know, for the best. You know, he's not going to be Matt Sharp. And, you know, coaches of national teams look at stuff like that. If a guy's not playing much, uh, you might take the guy who's playing actually each week and starting and playing good minutes over the guy who's playing maybe once every two or three games or only playing 20 minutes a game. Uh, with Cobra, you brought up the Ned Yalkov thing and his situation with his girlfriend and stuff. So I think with Cobra, uh, his fiance was here for a while, but she was probably just on, uh, you know, I forgot how many days it is. You can visit for however many days, but then, you know, if they don't have a, uh, a green card or a visa or whatever, they have to go back. And so yeah. her time had expired where he was all of a sudden he's here alone, uh, and no all of a sudden, yeah, he's not playing too. It's a pretty big adjustment for a guy to make. And then uh, you gave a shout out to a third degree. And this was also something they said that he had buzz said he had heard straight out of um, after Orlando, like when they came back that Cobra was just, he was bummed and he missed, ho- he missed home and he wanted to basically wanted to go home. And, you know, after that was months ago, that was months before he was actually sold, but, Sure enough, things didn't really get better for Cobra, and uh, he's gone. And one thing I do want to hit on is I saw a lot of people acting like uh, he was nothing more than just like a like a a character or you know just a personality, which a mascot is is complete um, nonsense in my opinion. Uh, I was gonna say much more rated r description of it but i'll be nice uh i'm sure i'll drop plenty of f-bombs and stuff later when we get into more serious topics <laughs> um but he you can't deny that he had a huge impact on the field for the team when you look at uh the end the second half of last season and really the beginning of this season before uh before the covid break and people are like, you know, like, oh, he hasn't scored since March. Dude, we've played like we haven't played much since March. <laughs> like, what do you yeah. want him to do? Score while, while we're not playing games? Yeah, we're that like, was what, a fun fact whenever it'd be like our first win since March. And it's like, well, yeah, because, you know, we haven't had a season in six months. Yeah, people have been using a lot of like, oh, it's been over a year since blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, well, they didn't play for several months. So let's cut them a little bit of slack. But uh, yeah, and like. Like so, people are saying, like, "Oh, it's just the end of last season." Literally, the start of this season, the first two games before the COVID break, he scored in both games, and I believe he, Alex, I, I think he had two goals and an assist in three yeah. games or two games or something. Yeah, the two games before this, the yeah. season was halted. Yeah, because he had a and the two-two comeback against Montreal. He had a the first goal, and then I guess they gave him credit for the assist on the second goal because he kind of I think like, it was a shot that he just scuffed and then it fell to Pepe. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, yeah, so just kind of to because you know, we miss uh, we're gonna miss Cobra, and it's just kind of one of those things where he was it was a really quick, I guess, what season and a half or something, yeah. But um, he he had one of the most interesting character arcs I think I've seen a player have at this club ever. He came with big expectations because people heard, oh, this is a guy from Europe when they didn't really understand that, you know. I can't. I can't. I don't even remember which team he came from. 
came but, from a team playing uh, Wisla Krakow, which are one of the Krakow. bigger teams in Poland. In Poland, yeah. But, which isn't the highest know, level, but it's... Yeah, it wasn't like a Barich coming in or or somebody else closer to that like Scan- Scandinavian level, but... He bigger. was like the leading goal scorer in that league, though, so yeah, to be I think fair he, to him. But, to, be, yeah. to be fair to him, yeah, but the, the way people thought he was coming in to become like... He's going to be a superstar yeah, or something or on Ray yeah. once he popped into the league. But anyways, he had those big expectations kind of faltered and people got on his ass really quickly. I mean, even even I kind of was just like, well, he doesn't really seem to be like a MLS starting striker. Then next thing you know, he goes on maybe like one of the best 10 or 15 game runs of anybody's career, which is like you're scoring almost every game or like yeah, at least every other every, game, every yeah. other game. And then you go to your national team and you score a brace against England and become like a national hero for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever it is. Yeah. So, and then you do that and then you go, we don't talk about it that much, but I would like to bring it up. of just how, how big COVID was to this team. And just mm-hmm. because of the fact that our team was affected so much, yeah. but when you have something that drastic and you're like stuck in, a, in an apartment in a foreign country for a week and you are isolated, um, it just has that mental, uh, That'll wear anyone down, even I if don't, it'll wear anybody down, no matter even what if you kind have of people with you, spirit, yeah, or or person. Excuse let, me. Let uh, alone if you have no one with you, you know, and you're exactly. in a foreign country, foreign country. thousands yeah. of miles away from your family. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll beat anyone up. Then essentially, during that time between that, you don't get to play. They bring in a big name striker to yeah. essentially just take your spot to the point where you you you've become you know a side piece and you're all kind of obsolete in the, in the club, which, so just a lot of things that got into this. And so I really, I thought he was a cool guy. I thought he was a great energy builder. I thought, you know, he's one of those club pieces that everybody wants. And yeah, every um, team was, would die to have a guy like that in their locker room. And I guarantee you every single player on the FC Dallas roster will tell you how much they miss having him around. Yeah. And, and the coolest thing is that I heard that he would just kind of like, um, uh, he could go between different groups, like the Spanish-speaking group, the yeah. English-speaking group, the older guys, the younger kids, and just kind of yeah. bring the morale up. Um, that's kind of that's a, that's a valuable player to 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 a team, but you know he has to do it what's best for him, and I'm okay with that. And you know we're gonna miss him, but I mean at this point, you you have a backlog of number nines, even though they might not be the best at times, but you still have bodies there, so. It's just kind of one of those things where it was it was a win-win and a lose-lose for everybody involved, if that makes any sense. Yeah, FC Dallas has shown in the past, and they've definitely set the precedent that they're going to do right by their players when it comes to giving them <laughs> what they want, almost to a fault, where it almost feels like FC Dallas are nice guys. I'm trying to think. I remember... Uh, well, well, they'll do it for transfer stuff, but they won't do it for some other specific... Yeah, yeah. good point. Um, yeah. I remember like years ago, I think it was with Dan Kennedy maybe, where they basically just like gave him to the LA Galaxy for like nothing just because I guess he kind of wanted to go back home. It's like, cool. I mean, yeah, it's nice, but yeah, like, why are we helping a team that should be competition? Anyway, um, so yeah, I've never seen the fan base fall in love with the player the way I saw everyone slowly 
for some. I was a Cobra stan day one, and I was the guy who defended him whenever he wasn't playing at all, and people were like, oh, this guy's not that good. I'm like, well, if he was good enough to come in and score a goal with only needing like 10 minutes off the bench, like if he was a player who can literally just score with that much ease, he wouldn't be playing in MLS for FC Dallas. He would be playing in, in for one of the best teams in Europe. You know, You can throw anyone in there at the end of a game in the 80th minute when the other team's parking the bus and uh, it's going to be tough for them to score goals. Just That's just how it is. But uh, people slowly jumped on the bandwagon and everyone loved them some Cobra and uh, we all definitely miss them. And uh, I still follow him on Instagram and I keep up with him and see that he's still scoring goals for his team in the Czech Republic. And it'd be cool to maybe see him in uh, some Europa League action and uh, I'll be cheering on old old cobra until uh until the day i die yeah and, and just a small little additive to that it's 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 always interesting that like in terms of older players that leave the club it's either they're retiring or go some going somewhere else it's it's kind of interesting to see somebody take a step above fc dallas because yeah. victoria president is actually a really good club in europe in terms of being a Europa League contestant, and I think even the Champions League contestant a couple yeah, of years they, ago, maybe four or five years ago. Since they so, pretty yeah. much always win their league, they're always going to be, uh, yeah. they, just, they have to go through the qualifying rounds and stuff. So it's tough for yeah. them to make the Champions League. It's not like, you know, some leagues where you win it and you're instantly in it. Those those lower leagues in Europe, you got to win a couple qualifying matches, and sometimes you end up facing off against like the fourth place team from the Premier League. And, you know, yeah. But that's still cool, though. Yeah. I thought, I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Nothing but, wrong uh, with Europa League. Europa League is no. the second biggest uh, Com- I was gonna, club I competition guess. in the world. Probably, yeah. yeah. I guess if you don't count like domestic leagues. Cause, anyway, uh, but <laughs> we talked earlier about how long it's been since we last recorded. So I see Dallas. I keep burping. Sorry, I'm drinking a white claw. Um, FC Dallas have played plenty of games since then. So since we were. Our last episode came out August 25th. FC Dallas beat Minnesota at home, tied Kansas City on the road, lost to Minnesota on the road, beat Houston at home, beat Colorado at home, beat Kansas City on the road. What a game that was. Uh, If you remember that one, it's the one where Brian Acosta comes off the bench and gets two yellow cards. uh, Oh, yeah, I remember that. Peter Vermeet, and then Ryan scores on an absolute just – meltdown from Kansas City defensively. It's created by uh, Graham Zussi or San Zussi, depending which national team you support. <laughs> I think he might be San Zussi to FC Dallas fans now after gifting us those three points. And uh, of course, afterwards, we had fun with Peter Vermees having a full-on tamper, temper tantrum about FC Dallas's disgraceful tactics. And uh, Peter it's Vermees, another, he's a crybaby. Another, um, American legend calling us disgraceful you got casey keller on one hand and peter vermes on the other peter vermes is just a legendary bitch in my book no one <laughs> likes him he's just a crybaby. he's he's like uh caleb porter with with anger issues caleb porter just cries a lot peter vermes just looks angry all the time he's got like he's one of those like angry like angry older white guys who always has that vein in their neck it seems like about to just burst yeah he looks like he could easily be one of those guys you'd see in a video just like shouting slurs at like a group of kids at the park whose music is too loud. That's basically uh, Peter Vermees. 
you look it just, it just can't be healthy having to have them that much stress oh yeah you know what's funny is i could totally see him being like like nah never mind i bet he's a dick off the field too <laughs> i was gonna say but he's like really not nah he's probably a dick he's probably like a good nice around his family and people are like oh look how nice he is but then everyone else is just a complete dick anyway so after that they lost against minnesota on a weekday a weeknight game um, not minnesota sorry against atlanta in atlanta that was a tough boring one that was an awful game and then since then we've had a tie at home against uh 10 men orlando a 0-0 tie and then a 2-2 tie against columbus at home as well and of course the last game that was played was last wednesday in houston and sc dallas plays against a houston team who were playing, were up 1-0 at halftime, but only had 10 men. FC Dallas had f- a full half of playing against 10 men. And well, not only were not able to score a goal, but also end up conceding a goal, and they lose 2-0. Um, man, what a uh, roller coaster of a run that is only fitting for a roller coaster of a season and a roller coaster of a year for a roller coaster of a club. Um, so really, like I said, there's so many games It's we're not, we're not going to obviously dive into each game and break it down, but really just the general trend here is just up and down and up and down. Uh, we, we, in, in that, in that time period, we had a three game win streak, winning streak from when starting when they beat Houston at home and then beat Colorado at home and then. Those were both kind of expected wins. Then the win at Kansas City was huge. Um, So there's a three-game win streak. And then they followed it up with that that stinker against Atlanta in Atlanta and like gifted them their first win in seven games. And now Atlanta's actually been rolling a little bit. They've been playing pretty well since uh, they decided to just stop playing Ezekiel Barco uh, when they got a new manager. And everyone thought it was... Because for sure he had a new a transfer lined up, but I'm pretty sure he's still there. And you know, I had people saying when I was saying that how FC Dallas needs to just stop playing Santiago Mosquera and bench Brian Acosta, that like, oh, you have to play the guys you pay money to. Well, Atlanta are I think they're still undefeated in like five or six games since they they might have lost the other night since they just completely cut Barco off. And uh, it happens all the time, by the way. Uh, ask guys like Mesut Ozil or Gareth Bale, who just sat on the bench for years, even though they're the highest paid player on their team by far. And I know you could say, oh, there's levels to how much they're being paid and like the bank the bank accounts of these teams. Exactly, yeah. Guys like Santiago Mosquera are designated players, Brian Acosta too, but really they make not that much compared to designated players of other teams. You know, every single player who's a designated player at FC Dallas could easily not be one just by being bought down. We don't have guys like Iguain making $9 million a year. We have guys yeah. making 700,000 who are designated players. Um, so yeah, like the, the three game win streak. And then since then they, so they lost at Atlanta, like I said, and then, Two those two ties at home back to back against Orlando and Columbus were real real bummers just because FC Dallas has tied so many games this year and a lot of games at home and in their defense I mean Orlando and Columbus 
are two of the better teams in the league. If you look at the standings, uh, I think probably the, the two best teams though. Yeah, I think at the time, like after the Columbus or before the Columbus game, I think I checked the standings, and Orlando and Columbus were like one and two in the supporter shield race. So I mean, those are tough teams, but FC Dallas should expect three points at home, no matter who they play. Uh, if you're if you consider yourself a good team, you got to get three points at home. Especially the Orlando game was very winnable with uh, Orlando getting a red card in the second half. The Columbus game was a tough one. Columbus are really good. And uh, FC Dallas did blow two leads. <laughs> um, but honestly, I mean, they might have been lucky to come away with a point from that game. That was one of those games where it looked like both teams wanted three points. The Columbus game? Yeah, it was, it was a fun one to watch, I'm sure, as a neutral, but a tough one as an FC Dallas fan. Yeah, that was one of the better games to watch. I think period all season it was just end-to-end action both teams looked like they could have won 3-2 4-2 each side on both sides um but yeah after after the columbus game and and that orlando game it just feels like we don't have any answers to anything you know we always uh it's it's a common thing every year do we always talk about the fc dallas summer slump my yeah. uh my thought is well the schedule's all a little fucked up because of COVID, so maybe FC Dallas is just getting their summer slump in That's October. <laughs> this yeah, basically is that equivalent of that time of year. Um, cause, and then the Houston game was really the cherry on top of three, sh- or I guess, let's see, three and a half, two and a half shitty weeks of soccer. Uh, man, that Houston game is just so much to be frustrated and angry about officiating wise. And then also just just can't score a goal. It's such a frustrating game to watch as a fan. Cause it seemed like SC Dallas just, you, it was one of those things where like you knew that if they just got one goal, that it would probably open the gates and they'd win the game, but they just couldn't get that goal. Houston credit to them. Just, just defended for their lives and, Obviously got a penalty in the end and scored a second goal. But, uh, you know, I, one thing I, I tweeted about this before the Houston game, I think, about my I'm completely done with Brian Acosta and the team. And I was looking through results and realizing that I don't think it's much of a coincidence that that three-game win streak came when Brian Acosta was injured and Tanner Tessman was starting every game. And the run of bad form since then has basically perfectly coincided with Brian Acosta coming back from injury and being put back in the starting lineup. And like like I said, I I, I get why SC Dallas would want to play him because he's a designated player and they paid pretty good money to get him. But same thing that I said with Mosquera, who obviously had been very outspoken about uh, my hatred of him. And then he he had two good games after I tweeted it, so I was almost hoping a little bit after my Brian Acosta slander, I was like, all right, maybe we'll I'll get a little reverse jinx action here, and he'll he'll bounce back. Um, but it it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. At a certain point, I've said I was got to realize, like, yeah, it would be nice if the guys you pay big money to, uh, quote big money to, produce, but it's not worth just shoving them out there for the sake of trying to get the most for your money if it's hurting the team which clearly it is results wise you know yeah <clears throat> i kind of had so during the like the stretch the month and a half that we were off 
Um, there have been a kind of a this lot was of our COVID break. <laughs> a lot of different storylines for each player that had that have gone through, and the Mosqueda highs and lows has been one of the most frustrating for me because personally, I just kind of wanted him off the team last summer. But yeah. I think they were hoping that he comes into this new season, he comes back healthy, he kills it, and then, or if he doesn't kill it and he's at least okay, then they can sell him off for not mm-hmm. that big of a loss. And I think that's where this, this like riding him high came on to as well as like, all right, he scored. I think it was a hat trick against yeah, Colorado. He scored, he scored against Minnesota off the bench on a goal that both yeah, you and that, I could have easily have scored. Well, uh, he also stole it from Hara too. Which yeah. was, it was, <laughs> it was he, literally about seven inches away from the goal. But you know, not, hey, a goal is goal. A goal, is a goal. Whatever, too. whatever. A goal is a goal. Let's give it to him. And then the next game, the he scores. Yeah. What it was a hat trick, right? Yeah, against uh, yeah. Colorado. Colorado. And so, and then after that, you you try to ride him, and then see what happens after that. The problem with Santiago Mosquera this whole time has been is that he's just not that good of a soccer player. <laughs> he he hustles sometimes, but when he doesn't, he just kind of stands around, lollygags, and just like picks up grass off the ground. See, and I- then in terms of 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 like 1v1 breaking people down he, he can't he can't do it see i i don't know maybe we disagree there i don't i think he's talented like i think he's definitely talented but he's just he's so lazy and that's what's so frustrating to me you're talking about how yeah he'll have a couple moments of of like brilliance like technically i think he's a really good player but he's just so lazy and then just like unwilling i don't even know if it's unwilling i think he's just unable He's just so not fit to where like I'm not even it's not like a bit or a joke when I'm saying he's exhausted by like the 25th minute every week. He really is like I go to games. And so when I'm at games, I'm just watching him and they're probably obviously not focusing on him off the ball with the camera. I'm just watching him bent over like hands on knees in the 20th minute on a throw in, you know, and like just watching him slowly jog back whenever they're attacking down his side and he's leaving whoever is playing on that left side, whether it's Ryan or Johnny, just completely on their own, you know, with no sort yeah, of support. Leaving them on an island. Yeah. Yeah, and but he, for me... Sorry, go ahead. He's just... He's he's a frustrating player because obviously there's something there. Like, they saw something when they bought him. Uh, I'm not expecting him to be like a 15 goals, 10 assists guy, but, you know, maybe like a eight goals, seven assists kind of guy. And I mean, his stats, it's funny. He's one of our highest scorers this year, but I think we can all kind of agree that it's a bit of a fluke. Um, and it's just, just effort is what you want out of him. And it's funny because his replacement, Fafa Pico, could not be more different than him, you know, in terms of Fafa Pico is all effort. And that dude will run his ass into the ground working all game, you know. And I think that's why Lucci likes him. That's why they brought him in was they like wingers who are going to work hard like Mikey Barrios, you know, and Fafa is definitely that. Well, for like for me, I still don't see I don't see the skill in Santiago Mosquera. I see the facade of skill. I see somebody that can get the ball <laughs> like, well, yeah, do a, couple I, step I over. do a couple step overs. Looks really good. And then I can try a finesse shot back post. Right. And that's the idea is like, oh, OK. He does that a couple times a game. One of them's going to go in. He gets in the right position. One of them's going to go in. You know, he, he beats one defender one time. One one of those plays are going to become dangerous. 
but over a season and a half, he has he's never beaten a guy over because of a step over. Yeah. He's he's always tried the little step over scoop, which is like mm-hmm. one of those moves where if you do it right, you leave your player in the dust. And he's tried it about twenty times, and ten times the defender stops it, and the other ten he he gets stuck under the ball or on top of the ball, his foot, whatever. <laughs> so. I, I when I see him play, I don't want him on the field because his talent, yeah. his, his his mental game in terms of like reading the game and making the right decisions is never good. He's definitely the, a liability. The, he's a liability, and the, and the only reason why he and I was actually mad that he scored against Colorado because <laughs> when we were playing Colorado, <laughs> we I was watching that game and I was like, we're dominating this game. It'll be a two zero game. Hara gets one. Somebody else gets one. It's whatever. But then he gets he gets a goal in the first half, which is a pretty good finish. But it was one of those balls where anybody that ran through that box taps it in or puts it in the corner. It's gonna yeah, be fine. They're, he they're put it in the, simple ones, yeah. Yeah, but the other two goals of him were were a defensive mistake and a hustle mm-hmm. play from him, where it kind of just bounced off of a guy. Yeah. Then he was able to finish it. Neither of those plays were off of a buildup of him beating a man, of him creating a chance, playing a one-two. None of it was actual soccer it was just kind of a hustle play that he was in the right spot at the right time which is why i was frustrating because i knew after that we were gonna have to ride him for three games we're gonna have to play him for two and a half games because he was he's finally fit and he actually did something on the field for for two games because he scored a goal the game before then he had a hat trick but that's why it's just frustrating but then you know, it comes crashing down. You see him have a comes bad back to reality. Yeah, you see him being a liability on the field in term in terms of like and then you're getting like, hurt. Oh, yeah, and and I don't ever want to see anybody get hurt. Yeah, I'm not I'm not one of those people. But a muscle not injury. having him <laughs> not yeah. having him on the field was is 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 going to be a positive because at times you often forget like in some of those moments when Fafa Pico comes in and like let's say the 60 or 70th minute. Mm-hmm. You you finally remember this is what it's like having to play with two wingers, like with the yeah. whole attack at, at yeah. some. T- this is this is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Like you don't feel that ever as an FC Dallas fan because that left wing has been awful for I'd say three seasons now Basically since Castillo left. And Castillo, yeah, left. yeah. yeah. Uh, you and this was something you and I actually were texting about uh, like last week was FC Dallas's, and it's something I've been preaching since really before the season even started. Uh, everyone was talking about, oh, FC Dallas needs number nine, number nine. I was like, no, we need a, another winger is what we need. We have Mikey Barrios, and w- like once we knew we were going to have Hara, uh, I guess even before we knew we had Hara, when we just had Cobra, I was like, that's fine with me. What If they're really going to spend money on one thing, they need another winger. They brought in Pico, and I'm a big Fafa Pico fan, but I've always kind of thought his, ideally, if FC Dallas wants to be competitive, his best role, I think, is as a super sub. And he's he's shown this season that maybe not like in terms of goals and assists, but in terms of if you're just watching games, like his impact when he comes off the bench is very clear. He comes off the bench and he's a guy who brings instant energy. And when guys are, you know, starting to get tired, he's got speed and energy and that's Yeah, it's pace to our team. I guarantee you, yeah, that fullback see him come off the bench in the 70th minute and they think, Oh fuck, I don't want to, I don't want to chase this guy around. And he's, you know, he's demanding the ball and he's, he's direct when he comes off the bench and he's, he's a breath of fresh air when he comes in obviously, because most of the time he would be coming in for like mascara and we're like, thank God. But, um, <laughs> like I said, I think his ideally his role would be as a super sub. So I wanted them to spend on a winger and we were talking about how 
I was telling you how, and I tweeted about this too, FC Dallas needs a winger who is a goal threat, not just someone with some pace who can, you know, maybe beat a defender and then just hit across into the general area of the goal and hope that someone that just happens to be in the end of it. Um, it's all right that Mikey is not a goal scorer. Uh, he's actually, man, he's, he's a terrible finisher. And this year he's had some real, some real bad ones in the Kansas city game. I think he might've had two. And, uh, and then the Houston game where we lost two nil, he had one in the first half. I think that was a really bad miss. He should have put away, but, if he's giving you 15 assists like he did last year, that's okay. Go ahead, Mikey. You know, miss a couple sitters. He did score against Columbus. He scored a header, uh, shockingly. That was always, a nice header, though. It too. was, yeah. It's always nice yeah. seeing a five foot three guy uh, score a header. Uh, short Kings unite. Um, but they need a winger as a goal threat. Really, their only like consistent goal threat on the field right now is Frank O'Hara. And. If he doesn't score, it's kind of just like a. Our best hope is hopefully we get a penalty and then Reto will put it away, you know, or something like that, or just something falls for someone and then, or the other team makes a mistake, like you said, like those Mosquera goals or the Ryan goal against Kansas City. Like, yeah. Frank O'Hara is our only goal threat. FC Dallas doesn't have a guy like a, um, a Carlos Vela, and obviously, you know, those those are that's the best player in the league. So I'm not saying a player exactly like that, but a guy's like, I think I said Sebastian Blanco for Portland. Piatti when he was in the league. Piatti when he was with Montreal, who's scoring double-digit goals every year. Or Alessandrini, even though he wasn't in LA for too long. You know, Just guys like that who are goal threats. They aren't just, they're wingers who want to cut inside and are threats to shoot. They're not just run to the end line, hit a ball towards the general area of the goal, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, like FC Dallas seems to have now. Fafa can score some goals because he kind of is naturally more of a striker, probably. He just happens to be really quick to where you can play him on the wing. But I don't know. I just If there's one thing that FC Dallas, I want them to open the checkbook on, it's that position. And I guess they kind of opened the checkbook on Mosquera. <clears throat> yeah, but- and that's... yeah. That's what I've, I, I even, I think I said this word for word to you in text, and I've said it before. My complaint isn't that SC Dallas doesn't spend money, it's that they don't know how to spend money. They keep spending money on projects with the hopes of, oh, this is going to be a great return, which I get. They're a development club, but they're all, you know, if you're a development club, that's fine. But then you, you know, you, you sign guys like Hara and Ziegler. So you're showing that you're not only going to sign development guys you know you're going to sign some veterans Tiago Santos another example that make your team better why not do that with that that left wing position you know yeah so they they've spent and and the the, the interesting part is that you know we're never we're not known as the spending club we're not known yeah. as one of the bigger clubs in the league and yet you look at team spending over I think it was like the last three or four years and we're actually in the top I think 30% or some or something because mm-hmm. of the fact that we do have guys like Coman, um, guys and like Mosquera, Mosquera, Acosta, or all, all of these million. guys are, you know, a million, two million, maybe even three million. And so that adds up over time. But when you buy investment DPs and you miss, usually the teams that are still successful are the bigger teams in the league because they buy two or three investment DPs proven. and yet they have they have one proven guy that's kind of able to just continue the load and keep it moving. So like in terms of like 
Mosquera was an investment DP. You saw this left winger that you put a couple million in, or you, a million, I can't remember how much it was. I think it was like two, but he, around yeah, two. Yeah, around two. And then he scores a bunch of goals, and he turns 24, 25, and some team in Europe or South America or Mexico comes in, and they're like, hey, here's five million, we'll take him off yeah. your hands. You see Coman in the Paraguayan League, he scores eight goals, but he's a promising striker, so we'll pay you $1.3 million to take, like to get him to Dallas or whatever it is. And then he scores 10, 12 goals a season. You sell him off to yeah. Mexico or Brazil or to Argentina for three or four million, whatever it is. The problem is whenever those guys are your anchors for the positions that we can spend money on, then your team's not going to succeed. Yeah. And that's why our biggest issues were striker, left wing for about three or four seasons mm-hmm. now. And obviously, it's not easy to find people on the types of budgets that we have on FC Dallas. That's also mm-hmm. the thing. We're not a Montreal where we're going to spend, you know, 4 million or 3 million on a Piatti or, or Miami. Miami's going to spend LA, you know, yeah. 12 million on Pellegrini as, you know, an investment or LA who's going to spend 6 or 7 million on Rossi and then pay Carlos Vela 5 million a year to be the best player in the league. We're not going to mm-hmm. do that. But at the same time, you just can't miss like that. And that's the thing. That's what we did. We missed. And so now we have to ride Mosquera for two seasons, see if his value can go up at any point, then try to sell him off. And yet he was just a bust. Or come on the same thing where he's injured half the time or he's making the right play and he doesn't score the goals. But at that point, as a striker, you have to score goals. So yeah. then his value goes down. And so now the same thing is happening with our DP center mid who – Acosta is a very talented player, mm-hmm. is a player that has all the skills to pay the bills, essentially, but has been very, 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 very dumb in some of his tackles and has been extremely inconsistent while he plays. There, the game against um, Sporting Kansas City where he had gotten hurt, I was like, if yeah, he, he plays like these 15 minutes <laughs> for the rest of the season, he's worth his price tag and more. But the problem is, is that he does that for 15 minutes, gets, gets injured, and then comes back and then gets a red card. Yeah. And so it's just one of those things where he's one of those players that if, if he wasn't being paid as a DP, we wouldn't be going all yeah. crazy. But yeah. the problem is he is. Mm-hmm. And so now you just have to worry about having to play him when you have, I think, three or four other options in the midfield that you could maybe try to plug in. And but yeah, it's, it's frustrating. You know, it's just what's annoying to me is FC Dallas is so developmental, developmental, developmental. And then Brian Acosta, he's like 26. You know, he's he is this is his prime, basically. You know, yeah, we're like paying he, for his prime. He is what he is at this point. And clearly they knew what he was coming in. He was a guy that was going to just run all over the field, fly into every challenge. He's a wrecking ball is really the best way I can describe him when you watch him. That dude doesn't ever go in half-hearted into a challenge, you know, and that's, you know, that's fine. Like, that's all right, uh, you know, but if you're picking up cards and getting red cards for double yellows off the bench, like, at a certain point, you gotta, he's always, like, towing the line of going too far and just, putting the team at a deficit, you know, with a red card, or even if he's just on a yellow, then he's just a liability because you're just constantly scared of him getting that second yellow with the way he plays. And then just everything else, like, like we all joke about his long shots and his, he scored one banger right at the beginning against LA last season. And since then, that was beautiful. and now he's, you know, he, that was maybe the worst thing that could have happened to him <laughs> because now he's hits, 40 shots a year and 
does more damage to the south end of the stadium than whoever the construction company was that built the hall of fame <laughs> you know so like and like you said if he wasn't a dp we probably wouldn't be on his ass so hard and also if we didn't have you know like i said we're a development club a couple of young homegrowns sitting behind him who i think are better for the team right now tanner testman is a guy that no one really saw like expected to be as good as he is before the season started but he's shown that i think he's i think he's undeniably a better player right now in terms of for the team than brian acosta and you can't argue that his potential isn't exponentially higher than acosta because like i said acosta is who he is at this point tanner testman just turned 19 you know and this is he's literally been a professional for however many months like what like eight months seven months I think because he was literally signed like the week of the first game and then all of a sudden was in the starting lineup and was like maybe man of the match in his first ever game. He's shown that like no stage is too big for this kid and he's going to step in and he's going to take on every challenge. If you listen to any interviews of him, he's a very confident kid, borderline cocky, um, <laughs> but he's just better for the team. He He has an ability to get the ball and drive forward and Acosta seems like all he wants to do is just pass backwards or maybe hit that like big switch which testman can hit even better than him and testman can hit it with either foot you know yeah the the kid isn't really a kid when you <laughs> when you see him play he, he's kind of a manimal he's yeah a, there's a reason that a, his nickname a, is grown-ass man you know yeah he's, you know he's six i don't know two six three broad yeah, shoulders huge once, once he gets some muscle on him won't people can't won't ever be able to take the ball off of him and they can barely take the ball off of him right now yeah. but uh and he's also just really skilled too he's not just like a physical specimen like he's very technical. oh yeah oh yeah yeah he's not and he's not he's not a bruiser he's not somebody that comes in and just yeah, like yeah. wipes people out and tackles and does he's actually more of a skilled player and he just happens to have a giant frame acosta it, i don't i don't know if it was because he had switched from center mid to center defensive mid last season Mm-hmm. Took time to do that, then played great during the playoffs or run to the playoffs and then playoff game, but then switched back to a center mid this season. I don't know if that's the issue, but either yeah. way, the other people that we have behind them have either looked decent or at least looked great like Tessman has. And in, in our starting midfield, we have two spots that are that are stable. At this point, Ricuarta has been an amazing signing. Mm-hmm. Maybe he hasn't been um half volley from 30 yards out every yeah, single game he, uh, since then he started hot and he's still but, been good but yeah maybe maybe we yeah. all got a little too excited about him but he's still well, very think, good well i think people notice that hey we have fc dallas has a special guy on their team we actually have the game plan around him exactly now. yeah and yeah. you know you see him play and he gets he's four or hack. five chippy hits yeah every single game or he's getting the ball and he gets he doesn't get um, just completely closed off immediately. They close off his passing lanes. So and then, except so he can't really spray as he used to, like he did before in those first couple of games. It's like when but, uh, when Moro and David Ferrer were always the most fouled player in the league, like yeah, and, consistently year after year. Yeah, and then there's a game plans to defend yeah. that. Um, but Tesman has looked like the best replacement because we had Cervania in there for a little bit. Serio has been. He's had a tough season so far. Let's, yeah, and he's more uh, of a he's, defensive. He's he's a straight up CDM he, in my yeah, mind. Yeah, he's a he's a Thiago Santos player, yeah, but yeah. you know, in that in that midfield three, you kind of can interchange things a lot. But yeah, you know, I I hope he bounces back because he's had a he's had a rough 
last couple of yeah. weeks or months, I guess. I think he's but, definitely got something too. He's definitely capable of being a quality MLS starter. Oh yeah. Um, if not more. So yeah, out of, out of that rotation, out of that, that last spot, there's three names in there and the fourth one is Pomacall, but he's out for the season. Yeah. So you have Cervania, Costa and Tessman and Tessman for me, has maybe even like the Thomas Roberts, so Tommy Pooh. Well, well, he's, he's played he's, pretty he's, well he's, for North Texas, who's surreal. Yeah, but hasn't. he hasn't. Yeah, he hasn't made an MLS squad this season though yet, has he? He's been in the squad a couple times. He just hasn't. He hasn't. I don't think he's oh, made okay. an appearance yet. But uh, yeah, he's he's obviously on the outs. Uh, Cervania, yeah, he's had a he's hasn't had a great season. He's had a couple. Came back from like, injury though. Yeah, he's he's had a couple like eh, pretty meh performances. But I think he's definitely got something. I think he showed last season that he's got something. I would even his take, potential is there though. Yeah, I would even I would, take him over Acosta. You know. Yeah, but Tessman, Tessman looks Tessman like he has sure. spot. Yeah, he looks he he's one of those players that's gonna hustle the whole game, ninety minutes, mm-hmm. and he he's he's one of the players on the team that can actually break lines in terms of dribbling because yeah, there are sometimes when our midfield just looks dead or it just looks dry and their whole we, game we, plan we, is just give it to Ricardo or pass it to the center backs or pass it to Matt Hedges or Ziegler, yeah. uh, and so. Um, I just, I, I think moving forward, our midfield looks okay, but Acosta just doesn't seem to be a part of that. And maybe he's like a 30% player, you know, 30% of the games he plays are going to be amazing, but you know, at a DP price, that's just kind of really disappointing, you know, sell him for whatever you can. If you, uh, let, let Mosquera's contract expire in the year. Damn. There's the train. <laughs> yeah. Sorry guys. Is that Ricardo Pepe. Sorry, that was a train nickname, Choo Choo. Um, so sell him for whatever you can. Let Mascara expire. You've got two DP spots. You've got plenty of freed up money. Use all that money on a winger. Let Tessman take over that center mid spot. You know that. There you go. If you, literally the league, the league gives you money. The league gives you money. Um, use it. Sorry about that. <laughs> You're good. You live, Joe. Just for reference, Joe literally pretty much has train tracks in his backyard. That's how close oh, yeah. his it's, house it's, is. It's about 15 yards away from the train track. No, 15 <laughs> feet away from the train track. Another one of our friends who uh, I used to spend the night at his house a lot when I was younger also has the same setup to where there's basically train tracks in his backyard. And I would always wake up in the middle of the night when I'd sleep over there because the train is blaring and he's just sound asleep. And I was like, dude, how do you sleep there? And he's like, I don't even notice it anymore. I'm not used to it, obviously, because I don't live on train tracks. Anyway, um, so yeah, really, I'm done with Brian Acosta. Uh, I don't know, maybe he's one of those guys that Lucci just really likes. And, you know, all coaches have favorites and they have guys that they like. You know, Oscar sure as hell did. He loved him some Tesho and loved him Maxi. And uh, maybe... Maybe Brian Acosta is just one of those guys for Lucci. But um, moving on, you know, today uh, we're going to get into what a lot of people might be here for. Do you want to shout out some more positive uh, performances, though, before we get on to that? Yeah, sure. I've got a couple people I want to shout out. Uh, I want to shout out Jimmy Marr because... He has been a beast. (laughs) Because you you bring in another uh, goalkeeper. He's younger. He's a bigger name. He's Brazilian. It's you know all these things come in, and I and I used to play keeper, so I know how it is to have competition around you and people hype up another person because of a reputation. But for you to just continue to be a leader, continue to be very 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 good, and yeah. continue to be an asset to this team at his age, coming back from an injury, 
doing his thing. I think that's really noble. And that he's been one of the better keepers in the league. Not just not just for the team, but in the league. Yeah. And the stats back it up. So yeah, against shout average. out to Jimmy Marr. Yeah. And um I guess just that whole back line. Yeah. Um get better you know, Matt has, Hedges. Yeah, Matt Hedges. But uh maybe it's it's been kind of um tired down over yeah. the course of the season just because of how much they've been in use and how much of the ball they've had and you can't you can't be perfect all season. But I still think for this many games being this good with a really great goalkeeper, I had to shout out that whole back line because yeah. that can get overshadowed by some of the other issues on the team. Yeah. I think yeah, I I'll stick my head up and say I underrated Jimmy Maurer and said I've always thought he was solid. And uh he's been well above average uh, this season to where you know, I always said that he's a guy who's not going to lose you a game, you know, by making a bunch of big mistakes. And even Kyle Zobeck, when he stepped in, he was solid too. And yeah. you know, like so, really shout out to shout out to him as well. And uh, one thing I did think was cool at the at the Columbus game, I saw Kyle Zobeck at halftime. There was a kid who was wearing like an FC Dallas goalkeeper, like an academy, like he played in the academy, and he like ran over there when he saw Kyle Zobeck uh, like standing around in the crowd. And it was like a section over me. And I watched Kyle Zobeck talk to the kid for literally the entire halftime. And I could tell he was talking to him about the game, like, because he was pointing at the game and like moving his hands around, like he was explaining like tactics and stuff like that. And I thought that was really cool to see uh, an FC Dallas first team goalkeeper coaching up a kid who was maybe, you know, like 13, who just, or 12, maybe even younger. I don't know. I'm always terrible at guessing kids' age. Um, you love to see it though. Yeah, it's cool to see stuff like that. It's you know? cool to see stuff like that, yeah. Especially for a team that is so about the academy and stuff like that. So anyway. That's why, uh, sorry, just a small thing. That's why it's always interesting to me why, how a lot of these MLS teams struggle to have a goalkeeper that's even MLS level yeah. when we have three guys that have come in and have been pretty damn good. I do think that they, they, they will need to play Felipe at some point. Uh, for maybe a game or two just to see what you've got really i mean i guess they know because they see him in training but you know it's a game versus training it's never the same you know as the great alan iverson said we're talking about practice so i think he'll have to play at some point i think he comes in as next year's starter and then it's his job to lose and jimmy morrow is going to be right there battling for it but i think it's one of those things where you you have the money tied up to him you kind of have to play pay him but for now Unless Jimmy gets hurt or unless he gets just completely outplayed, I don't see him losing the job this season. Or at least he doesn't deserve to lose it. Yeah, he doesn't deserve it yet. But it's a loan to buy, though. So they don't technically have it yet. So, you know, like. I thought it was two seasons, though. I thought it was this season and next season. uh, Or am I mistaken? Let me check. I thought it was a a loan to buy, but I don't know exactly how long the loan is. Uh, But if I think it's uh, just one season maybe i don't know but uh if it is just one season and it's like a two million dollar option at the end of the season you got you got it you got to see what you got and if he's not good then okay that's fine you cut your losses don't pay the fee um and you stick with jimmy or maybe you bring in a different keeper in the off season and uh you're not two million dollars down the hole but uh, we've, you know, we've we got to hit on the biggest news, uh, both locally and nationally for FC Dallas. Um, this one is worthy of a. Uh, got to crack open another one for that one. Uh, yeah, I wish I had some alcohol with me right now. <laughs> I've got water, and I'm gonna be angry with the 
unparched throat. <laughs> um, so I'm sure anyone who's listening to this has heard um, a podcast dropped. Uh, what was it? Is it called the Crack Podcast? It's hosted, but I forgot the host name. But it features uh, Uguchi Onyewu, a former U.S. national teamer, played in Italy, played with AC Milan. Um, got in a fight with Zlatan at training and supposedly broke Zlatan's ribs. Um, that's awesome. He was a guy, dude. He was a dude. He was a beast. He just had so many injuries to where he was a tank, we never, yeah. yeah, we never got to see too much of him at a high level. And then, of course, U.S. soccer legend Demarcus Beasley, who um, it was a really enjoyable podcast, and it's one that I think I'm going to be checking out more. So if you yeah. haven't given it a listen to, check it out. They did plenty of talk about obviously the whole Anthem Gate incident, and then also just they have wisdom about playing in Europe they've experienced a lot I mean hell DeMarcus Beasley played professionally for what over 20 years because he played until he's almost 40 yeah and uh he's he just has one of those voices too where he's just got wisdom he's one of those old heads you know he's like man kid you don't know you're you don't know what you're getting yourself into one of those guys well, Gucci who, too Gucci yeah, yeah. like I, I said earlier that the U.S. soccer needs more DeMarcus Beasley's and um but the podcast did start uh once again check it out if you haven't um it did start with so at the time they recorded it i guess it was like a day or two after the first game back where of course fc dallas players kneeled during the anthem as was expected and several fans in the crowd booed and then obviously all of uh troll twitter and bot twitter and hardcore racist conservative well that's just most of facebook i assume at this point i just stay away from (laughs) that website in general um all of the uh far right i guess you could say twitter got a hold of it and started hurling abuse at reggie cannon we all knew it was bad we heard talks of death threats reggie straight up gave examples of someone saying threatening to lynch him um and someone telling him that they have they have the right to conceal carry and that they wish they saw him in the streets of Dallas so they could end his miserable life. And in the podcast, I guess at the time, he was expecting that he wasn't going to be allowed to play the second game against Nashville because FC Dallas had were concerned for his safety because people were threatening to like show up to the stadium and basically like show him like what true terror is, I think was the quote he said. And basically so they're threatening to show up to the stadium and hurt him. Um I guess they went back on that because I was it's my mistake. I thought he didn't play that that next game. He did play the next game and I think one or two more for FC Dallas. Uh, so I guess they backed down on the not letting him play. But uh, one thing, the surprising thing to all of us that Reggie said was that FC Dallas the day after, if you don't remember. By the way, go back and listen to episode four of this podcast if you haven't. If you want our an if you missed that one and one of our reactions to all that, we spent plenty of time talking about it. Um, Reggie came out after the game and obviously was upset about fans booing him. And he basically said that it was disgusting and that he was pissed that that's, you know, fans were speaking out against them expressing something of wanting equality. And so apparently the next day, uh fc dallas sent him like a pre-written apology 
and told him to send it out basically like to apologize to the fans for you know i guess speaking poorly of the fans and uh reggie said he refused to which i i completely agree with him and i'm proud of him for doing so and you know i've seen a lot of people trying to paint it out to be like that's the reason he left anyone who knows anything about the team or had like knows that Reggie's he was always going to go to Europe this window and all this really did was kind of give him like a sour taste as he left and maybe make him a little bit less sad about leaving but even he said himself that the plan was like it was pretty much already on the table at the time that that incident happened that you know that Boa Vista wanted him so FC Dallas basically tells him to apologize to the fans who were booing him before while he's literally in the middle of receiving hundreds of death threats and just all kinds of racial abuse on Twitter and all other forms of social media. And he said he had put all this stuff on private because they're attacking his family members and all of that. Um, it's just, it's, it's such a bad look. And uh, it's, I wish I could say that I, I was surprised, but anyone who's followed this team for any number of years wasn't surprised. This is, it's perfectly on par with what they've done in the past. And if you read that first statement they put out, that was basically like Reggie said, and other people said too, it was like the whole, there's very good people on both sides argument. And then they came out, put out the second statement. I guess it's possible that they didn't know Reggie was receiving death threats and stuff like that when they put out the first statement. But Reggie said himself that the club preaches family and stuff like that, but then they just kind of left him out to dry. And like Dan Dan Crook, the, the great Dan Crook, friend of the show, put out a tweet talking about how they basically decided to defend eight, pe- eight idiots in a crowd and a bunch of trolls on Twitter over their own player who's been at the club and loved the club. Reggie is as Dallas till I die as it gets. No one, no one fought harder for this team and, and felt, felt the emotions and the ups and downs of this team harder than Reggie Cannon. They rolled with angry first name, 12, 12 letter, uh, 12 number Twitter than their own player. And it's, it's, it's really, it's embarrassing and it's shameful and it's just, disappointing and uh joe i'll let you take over because i'm sure you've got plenty of to say it's disgusting um i'm disgusted i there are times whenever i see this and you know you can't help but just i guess laugh whether it's nervously or angrily but you just see it and you just you fucking hate it you 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 see it and it just pisses you off like it pisses me off because like you said the the one thing that this team markets the one team the one thing that they market the one thing that they actually wanted to put out into the world and see what see what uh have other people see is that we're a family you know we're more than just a club we're a family we have all these youth players we're going to bring them up we're going to protect them and the first thing that happens when when one thing major happens when your backs are against the walls you throw your player to the side and you try to make them appease to stupid fucking people yeah to people that are irrational um short-tempered big babies 
and you knew it was coming. idiots. You knew it was coming too. People that people pe- people that want to hurt your player or want to send a statement by throwing things onto the field, those are the people that you want to protect more than your player. Those are the people that you want to appease more than the fans that actually have stood by that said player mm-hmm. and actually care about the players of this team. The That's what you're sending out. The majority of people aren't fucking assholes like those people. And yet those were the people that you wanted to protect. Those were the people that you wanted him to apologize to. Those were the people that you wanted to show compassion and um, like comfort to like, come in here. You can, you can come into our stadium, treat it, treat it like trash. Treat our players like trash. As long as you give us a couple of dollars and because of your ideologies, that's just shameful. Yeah. It's disgraceful. It's disgusting. And it pisses me off. And it should piss everybody off that that follows this club. It should piss everybody off. And I think that's what happened today. Everybody was disgusted. Every, every FC Dallas person that actually cares about this team and treats it more than like that one team in Dallas that actually plays soccer was like left hanging in the dust. Not just by not not and think about Reggie. Think about the players in this club. Think about Fafa Pico. Think about all of the players of color in this team that just don't matter because of the fact that you want to have a certain set of people in your stadium because they, I guess, pay more than other people or something. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's just fucking bullshit. And the thing was, is that he was getting death threats, not just him, his wife, his family by people. He was a national news. It was national news. It was on the world wide web where people from all across the world could see it and were backing him and wanted him to succeed and wanting nothing better than to see him get out of this situation. And your idea of it was to be like, hey, there are good people on both sides. Hey, you know, we respect everyone. Was, we respect everybody. It's okay. Like, don't worry about it. That's bullshit. Come on, man. Like, just have a little bit of decency, have a little bit of intelligence to understand the situation. Why are you trying to appeal to 10 or 15 fans when the rest of the there was it was it was one person and maybe a couple other people who booed. Yeah. Right? It was one person that started like it and a couple other people max. that booed, right? Right? Yeah, Max. So why don't you just kick those people out and appeal to the, all the people that supported him? It just makes it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And to have the huge giant balls to say, fuck you, I'm not gonna apologize, it's just amazing. And that's why I love Reggie Cannon. That's why he was one of my favorite players when he was here. And that's why I'll keep watching him wherever he plays because I wish him nothing but the best. And I wish his family nothing but the best. And I hope that he can have some semblance of normality after all of this. You know, this, this happened a month ago, a month and a half ago, maybe by now things have changed. Um, But you know, it it was just frustrating. It was sad because even at the time when we recorded our first podcast and when it all happened, we, we felt emotional. Mm-hmm. But you don't see these things that happen on the inside. And when you hear the fact that they didn't even side with him, and then not just that, didn't even side with him, left him out to dry, essentially. And like, then told him to contact, apologize, yeah. And then told him to apologize is just frustrating. And it's sad. It's 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 just sad, and it pisses me off. And it, there are times like that where I just say, like, why am I even supporting something like this, you know? So it's it's frust- It's just sad, and... um. Like I like I like I said before, I wish him nothing but the best. Um, he's a warrior. He 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 has nothing but class. And if yeah. you and if you guys should definitely check out that podcast because not just 
seeing his character through that situation, but seeing his character for what kind of goals he has in his yeah, life. That's always it just like I've loved about it, it, him. Yeah. It makes me appreciate him even more. And I, I doubt he'll ever hear this, but if you do Reggie, you know, we loved you while you were here and we're going to follow you until, you know, your career is over. And I wish you nothing but the best, man. It has been cool to see. Uh, I've seen several people with their uh, Boa Vista Reggie Cannon jerseys, and uh, I've got. I gotta. I gotta admit, I really, I really thought one. about it, and then yeah. I, I had just bought like two soccer jerseys right before, and I was like, I, I just mentally can't purchase three jerseys in a week and then not feel <laughs> kind of dumb. Yeah, yeah, but, I feel that. But like, people, and then it was also cool on that podcast at the end, like like when they were wrapping it up hearing guys like Aguchi Onyewu and DeMarcus Beasley, who DeMarcus Beasley has played. He's, he played in Champions League semifinals. You know, he played for the U.S. national team for decades. Uh, he played in multiple World Cups. He's he's one of the best American soccer players of all time. And just hearing him and then Aguchi Onyewu, who obviously was another guy who, like I said earlier, who knows like what his career could have been uh, if he stayed healthy. Hearing them like say how impressed they were with just him as a person you know not just him as a player but just that his his ambition and he said it himself for years he said he wants to be one of the best right backs in the world and that he wants to be the starter for the u.s national team it's not just like oh you know i just want to play professionally and you know just see where it goes from there he has very clear goals and he's obviously a very hard-working dude and he's obviously got his he's come from a great family and he's got He's got a good head on his shoulders, and like you said, I mean, I, I wish him nothing but the best. And also, like you said, like it's it's stuff like this. It just it it makes it hard to um to to call yourself a fan of this team and not be embarrassed to say that you're a fan of this team. You know, there's plenty of stuff to be embarrassed about as an FC Dallas fan. Um, on the field in terms of the lack of success in general over the history of the club yeah. and uh, and then off the field way worse just they I've I've said this multiple times and like it's embarrassing that the only time FC Dallas ever gets any sort of mainstream attention is for negative reasons uh, you know half our team's got COVID where the first team to allow fans back, our fans are booing and throwing shit at players because they're kneeling for racial justice. Uh, we're selling other teams' jerseys in our fan shop. We're marketing other teams' players. And the one, like I said the last time, when was the last time FC Dallas was in the news for something good? And it's whenever Ryan almost got killed because he got hit by a car. And that was like oh, the yeah. feel-good story. It was like, oh, he's such a good guy. He, was, he helped. He was helping somebody. Which obviously, yes, he is a great human being. But that is like the positive thing. Or maybe when Chris Seitz donated, you know, bone marrow and s- stuff like that. Those are the only time FC Dallas has been in the news. And what was that, four years ago? Like, it's just, it's it's embarrassing that it seems like the only time this club makes the news is we're we're 100% the laughing stock of MLS. Um the only teams that could maybe compare to us are I don't know like Houston. FC Cincinnati maybe just cuz you know they're no, so terrible on the field. But Cincinnati actually has fans though. Yeah, that's true. They actually put fans. They got a new stadium coming in yeah. Cincinnati. 
I think the only comparable team is maybe Houston. But and they've got like a couple of lost cups. Houston's got them lost cups. I know we hate to admit it, but New, New England, England, maybe New England. Yeah, yeah, maybe they don't have a stadium, but DC United for the past 15 years, maybe <laughs> they finally fired Ben Olsen. I couldn't believe that. I, I had fun. Yeah. That being like the running joke was like death, How long death taxes and Ben Olsen being maybe. the head coach of <laughs> DC United. But yeah. like, it's, it's embarrassing, man. And it's whoever, whoever is the PR or media relations or whatever person that whose decision that was to say, Reggie, you should apologize should 100% not be employed by the team anymore. And guess what? You know, who signed off on that? It comes from the top Dan hunt, Clark hunt, 100% should not. Even if this doesn't happen, they shouldn't own this team. They clearly have treated it as a, just something like a backup business for years. And they, <laughs> this is just another example of their. They can fuck off to Kansas City. Yeah. Go, go have fun with your Patrick Mahomes, ride the next 10, 15 years of him, and keep, keep living off of daddy's money, you know? Like, enjoy your oil money and fuck off. You know, like, <laughs> it's clear that you don't really care too much. I don't know. I, I feel like Dan obviously cares. And this is maybe more towards Clark, who is just, uh, I guess, daddy's favorite kid to where, or maybe he's older. I'm not sure. Probably he's older. Um, like, he's the owner. He's the owner. Dan Hunt is the president. So basically, Clark Hunt's the one with the money. Dan Hunt is the one who basically signs off on everything and is more of the day-to-day guy who runs FC Dallas. So he 100% was in on this. He 100% signed off on this of, this is the statement we should put out, the first one. And then the second one, they came out and put their names on the statement saying, when they realized they fucked up the first one, the first one was just on FC Dallas behalf. You know, it was just an FC Dallas statement. The second one is, Hey, this is Clark and Dan. Oh, no one should receive death threats for this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> real easy to look like the nice guy whenever you're like, Hey, don't threaten to kill people, knock it off. But the first statement was also, yeah. they knew about it. And it's, it's, it's long overdue that, you know, if, if you don't want to, back your players if you don't want to spend money it takes to compete and have any sort of presence in your market then sell the team there i'm sure there are plenty of ownership groups who would love to purchase an mls team i've you know mark cuban has said in the past that if he could own any sporting like any a team in any league it would be mls just because of the investment side of it in terms of like the potential for growth and I'm sure there are plenty of other people who feel the same way and uh, would love to get an MLS team and an MLS team that is in a major media market, which we often forget Dallas is one of the bigger media markets in the country and we're considered a small market team. And the only reason that is is because the way the Hunts have run this club for the past 25 years almost you know, there's no reason a team in Dallas, Texas, in a city with a population as big as we do, as we have, should be considered, quote, small market. Yeah, I get we're not L.A. or New York, 
but there are millions and millions of people in this city. And there, guess what? There are millions of soccer fans in the city. Joe and I live, uh, well, I, I moved, but we grew up in an area. We grew up in Carrollton, basically. I mean, it's tech, I technically lived in Dallas, but you know, I was like 30 seconds away from Carrollton. And, you know, there's, it's a large Hispanic population. And Joe, I, I would assume that you would agree with the statement. I would say soccer was maybe like a top two, top three popular sport where we grew up, you know, like amongst friends and stuff like that. In my circles, well, not my circles, but in the circles that I was around, especially because I grew up playing it, it was the number one sport. Yeah, same. Yeah, I was the sport. At UTD, I, I've said this before, like, like uh you know like your first day of class and like in college sometimes your professor would make you do that bullshit like oh say your name and uh something you're interested in always the most popular thing amongst like guys in the class would be i like soccer or i'm a soccer fan and guess what every single one of them says oh and then like it's like oh my favorite team is barcelona my favorite team is real madrid my favorite team's chelsea and then i'm the one jackass who uh I'd like I said I I literally wouldn't say it unless someone would ask me who your favorite team is, <laughs> and I'd almost feel embarrassed to be like, well, I'd always start it with, well, I don't really cheer for any teams in Europe, but I watch plenty of European soccer. But the only teams I really support are FC Dallas and the U.S. national team, and then I'd kind of get a weird look, and I'd almost have to like I feel like I have to like justify or like yeah. explain why I'm a fan of FC Dallas. And there's also people, you know what, I've heard many times, probably not from soccer fans, but, oh, Dallas has a soccer team? That's, for a team that has existed for 25 years, do you know how, do you know how terribly you have to run your club to for people to not know that there's a, quote, professional team in their market? Like, I know plenty of people who aren't baseball fans or hockey fans. They know who the Dallas Stars are. They know who the Texas Rangers are. People couldn't tell you what FC stands for. They hear FC Dallas and they go, what the hell is that? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah, I went to a game once. Yeah, yeah, the beer garden, right? I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's a thing. Yes, that is a word. But it's there's no, it's, yeah. there's no presence. Yeah. There's no presence in the city. They've completely done. They're being they're 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 riding off the coattails of owners who do give a shit. In cities like Atlanta, Portland, Seattle, LA, LA, stuff like that, you know, like they're just riding their coattails in a in a league that is set up like uh, other major sports in America are set up to where you know they share profit and stuff like that. And if this was a team in Europe, they would quickly run themselves into the ground, you know. It, they, they'd be the team that gets relegated a couple years in a row and then you hear about them like going into bankruptcy basically and there's a save this save this team go fund me that would be fc dallas if we were in england but the hunt they, uh, the academy is always something that we can praise regardless of the situation because, and i love that well yeah. it's it's there but you know the, the talent is here in Texas, so I'm glad that they took advantage, at least for the most part, for that. But they they kind of run the team kind of like... Uh, a minor league. What, what, no, what's his name from uh, New England? Robert Kraft. The, Robert Kraft. They kind of run it like Robert Kraft, where they see this asset that's just appreciating every single season to the point where like you don't have to put any money into it, but you just know that 
the amount of money that you can buy that you can get if you ever wanted to sell this was just would just go up exponentially for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of one of the that's just kind of the thing, right? The 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 hunts aren't going to sell this team. They don't need to. If they wanted to, they could they could. But if they wait another ten years and the market the the value of all of these clubs go up from. 200 million to 500 million 600 700 million then why would they ever sell it and i think that's the issue is you you know you have all these owners Mm -hmm. that came in from the beginning and they paid you know 20 million to get in they're just reaping the benefits and now they're just reaping the benefits of having a club that's worth 335 million and you can you can let arthur blank you know write checks all day long or you know the guys in Seattle pushing the league forward or LA doing the same thing. And, you know, you haven't done anything in 25 years, but your club is now worth 400 million because it's in one of the biggest markets in the U S and because it's just a part of a league that's just appreciating and growth every single yeah. season. So the hunts aren't ever going to leave. They're going to keep this going until probably the day that they want to cash out and just live on a private Island by themselves. But <laughs> You know, I it's it's just going to be one of those things where unless they do something really bad. Yeah, I was going to say the only way they leave is if it's like a situation like with Rail Salt Lake's owner where they're forced out. And this 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 isn't I've seen a couple of people say that, like, maybe like MLS should do this, but MLS will never take this stance of treating this as a uh, as like a situation worthy of. Yeah, you have to sell the team. And like I get it, like it's obviously this isn't as bad as like the situation with Real Salt Lake's owner, where he's just no. openly saying incredibly racist things. Uh, but I mean, uh, really, if you want to dive too, if you dive too far into it, the premise of what they're saying isn't too far off of that. Um, sure, but at a certain not. point, at a certain point, yeah, the cl- the league, the league maybe looks at it and says, "Look." Uh, there are plenty of markets that are more than ready and willing to support an MLS team. And uh, like Kenny Price said years ago, I think he wrote an article that says Dallas doesn't deserve an MLS team. And I, I and people got mad at him about that for some reason. I completely agree with it. If MLS today said you have to, we're going to relocate you to, I don't know, San Antonio. Uh, that was a bad example. Let's say, let's say San Diego. Yeah, something like that. Like, or say St. Louis didn't have a team yet. We're gonna move you to St. Louis, Detroit, mm-hmm. something like that. I would one hundred percent understand that. The city of <laughs> Dallas hasn't supported this team, and you they because they haven't been given a reason to. Like, what what is what's what's the driving force behind John from John from uh, I don't know Carrollton wanting to go to an FC Dallas game, you know? Like I've said before, it's easy to be like the shiny new thing, like Austin FC, LAFC, stuff like that. It's easy to be that shiny new thing that people want to go see because it's like, oh, cool, we have a new team. And yeah, Dallas is at a disadvantage because we play in a sport in a city where there are all four major sports teams. You know, we have a hockey team, we have a baseball team, we have a basketball, we have football. The Cowboys are massive. This is a football state, and. But that doesn't mean that there aren't. You can be fan a fan of more than one team. You know, FC Dallas I mean, is by far the most affordable of all those four teams to attend. Oh yeah, I mean, look at look at Kansas City. Kansas City at one point was kind of one of those dead teams. Yes, they are before they before they restructured before they 
kind of adjusted what they wanted to do in terms of marketing and then they rebranded and now they're one of the better um attended teams in the league one of the biggest fan bases in the league in terms of loyal fan base people that want to go to their games and and they're also in a market where they have a big football team Baseball. They have baseball and they don't have they don't have basketball or hockey. <laughs> they don't have basketball or hockey, but still, those Chiefs are, are still two of the yeah. two of the bigger markets there. And and ba- uh, they have basketball though, college though. Yeah, that's true. The colleges and, and college football and stuff like that are huge there. And and Dallas is huge. Dallas has the look at the look at Stars games. Mm-hmm. Look at Rangers games. Look at Cowboys games. Look at Mavs games. The Mavs They're have all... the longest sellout streak in North American <laughs> professional sports history. People here in Texas want to spend money on an experience of a sports game that is going to have them hyped and wanting to come back for more. They want to spend that money. Texans have shown they don't give a shit. They'll go to a game during a pandemic. You know, like (laughs) they'll go to a game during a pandemic. They'll go to a game when it's fucking 100 degrees outside and the sun's blaring on their eyeballs because they just want to do something. If they love it, they'll do it. If they love it, if there's a brand behind it, if there's marketing behind it, if there's an experience behind it, if there was something good coming out of it, they will do it. But you go to an FC Dallas game, they charge you 20 bucks for a ticket and then you sit in the stands and there's nobody else around you and the sun's beating down on your face and it's a one-one draw against fucking nashville fc (laughs) and then you have to walk all the way to the parking lot in frisco and have to make a loop around the freeway and go back home 30 minutes away it's just not rewarding and there's no marketing towards it and nobody gives a shit because there's no branding towards it. No one walking have, no one walking around Dallas sees anything that relates nobody's to repping, Dallas. Yeah, exactly. I see people all the time that don't don't even know what a strike is in baseball wearing Texas hats because it has a T on it and it's red and it looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it. And I see people with Stars gears on even though they've never been to the AAC to a Stars game. Mm-hmm. You know, I just it's fresh you know we, we we've gotten on on a tangent now on why FC Dallas is frustrating and they suck but these are just parts of being a fan and it's embarrassing that we have to go through this kind of frustration because we love the club and then have one of our own just become you know washed out into the ocean of that is the shit of the internet and death threats and racism. public uh, racism and embarrassment. And so, you know, just kind of bringing it back, um, listening to that podcast was refreshing because it brought back another perspective on an incident that is really infamous at this point, but it's just something that we weren't. And FC Dallas would love to just brush under the brush under the, under, uh, the under the bridge, yeah, like, under the rail, under the rug, whatever. <laughs> but, under the bridge. Under the bridge, water. I, I was trying to put that the water, under water the bridge, under you know? the rug at this point. Water under the rug at this point. But you know, and then you listen to that podcast, and they were even cool about it because they were like, "We don't want to put this podcast out." And you know, this is how you do it. This is how you take care of a player. They didn't want to put that podcast out because they didn't want his transfer, uh, his transfer to a different club to become bogged down or like yeah. complicated. That's how you just take care of a person. Just decent, common human decency. And FC Dallas couldn't even do that for a player that had given them blood, sweat, and tears for, I don't know, 10 years now mm-hmm. or whatever it's been. Yeah, I guarantee you, whoever at yeah. FC Dallas saw when that podcast came out, they're like, ah, oh, shit. They're like, oh, we're shit, in I gotta... for a long day. Yeah. And then it's probably not even that person's fault. It's 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 from the top down. Yeah, don't, and... don't, don't. I, I mean, 
don't take it out on the FC Dallas Twitter account. Uh, those people aren't the ones, you know, like, yeah, the statements come from them, but they're ever all those statements like that. They're just told to tweet that, you know, that's not, that's not the social media guy deciding what to say. So yeah. if you want to, I've seen, uh, I forgot who it was said, email your ticket rep and, uh, get that raised up if you want to make a statement shit i would say make a statement at the games but the way freaking fc dallas security is treating supporters now to where they're literally just constantly i've seen tweets from people in the supporter section now and from el matador and the beer guardians saying that they're basically just coming down and cracking down on everything to where as someone who's been to all the games it's silent over there for a good chunk of the game because i think they're kind of like upset about FC Dallas playing fake crowd noise in the stadium when there's fans there. And then they're basically doing everything they can to try to create no atmosphere by, you can't say this player sucks at an FC Dallas game anymore or else they'll threaten to kick you out. If yeah, so that's, so, you know, stuff like you know, that. You've got, yeah. you've got three, 400 people willing to pay and go out during a pandemic and support your club and, this is how you treat them. So yeah. that's just kind of another another example of how this club is going. The reason- and that's just another um, another way they've shaped the image to appeal to um, the suburban, suburban, soccer nice, mom crowd, chill, you know, non-energetic, but people that will pay season tickets so their kids can have something to do on a Saturday buy, night. Buy plenty of popcorn for little Coop, popcorn Cooper drinks. and Kaylee and stuff like that. You know, it's yeah, so yeah. the reason we're so angry is because we care. I love this team so much. It's stupid how much I care. And it's like you said, dude, it's just, it's embarrassing. Um, it, it's shameful (laughs) it's disgusting like you said and like reggie said and the reason i it's i want better you know like i just dream of a better situation for this club (laughs) because i love them so much i want better for them i love this sport i love this city i dream of a situation where it isn't taboo or weird to be an fc dallas fan to where the city, say FC Dallas goes on a playoff run, people talk about it the way that the you know the stars aren't like the amount people hop on the stars bandwagon or they're doing well, and we all had fun watching their Stanley Cup run. I would consider yeah. myself a casual hockey fan, you know. I tune in here and there. I always keep up, make sure the city rallied around Dallas Stars because holy shit, we're in the Stanley Cup. In a time that's tough on everyone, this is something to look forward to. I dream of a world where people even have that slight interest in FC Dallas, but now we're a laughing stock, you know, and it's, I just want better for the team. You know, I want, I want there to be, uh, whatever, you know, obviously in better times, I want a full stadium. You know, it's not crazy <laughs> that 20,000 people are less than 20,000 people. Can pay 17, 18, 19. Can pay $20 or whatever because tickets are so affordable for the most part to attend an FC Dallas game, you know? Even even if you are going to like just zone in on the suburban soccer mom crowd, we'll go all out on it. Sell it out with families, then, you know? I would, I would love people my age to give a shit about FC Dallas. That would be great, but 
if that's not the audience you want, then at least go all in on the other audience. You know, it's just, yeah. There's there's uh there's literally dozens of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's there's a there's a select group of people that we all can count on <laughs> when I'm a couple of hands. <laughs> I think I've said this before. When I made the FC Dallas account or the set of CD fans account, I was like, oh dude, this is gonna this is gonna be big. And then I very quickly realized within like a month how little or how small <laughs> the FC Dallas like it's the community of like actual fans is. And then even now, like I'm very grateful for like the amount of people that for some reason seem to care and that, um, you know, obviously it's not like this podcast gets thousands and thousands of listens, but the amounts that it does, it's crazy to me that anyone would care enough to listen to me and you talk about soccer for however long or just dump shit or the amount of people that would care to listen to me just tweet either angrily tweet or just tweet dumb jokes about soccer and i'm obviously very grateful for it but like it's just yeah we love you guys like i guarantee if i was i was a portland fan you know and there's you 10 times as many fans i would imagine the followers would be a lot better and uh maybe sell some fucking ads on this and uh (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But uh so I mean, yeah, we I love this team and uh Joe, I know you feel the same way and I think we both agree that we just want better and uh I love you guys and hopefully one day we can all be proud to call ourselves FC Dallas fans and not feel so embarrassed of everything that this club does from the top down. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty buzzed. uh, So I don't want to go too much longer (laughs) before I start saying dumb shit. But Joe, give us something positive to wrap it up. You seem to always be the guy who brings it back to, I want to give a positive rep to this. And that's not my thing, obviously. (laughs) Well, the positive thing is we have more games to go on because even though it can be frustrating um watching this team play is still one of the better moments i think we all have all week i look forward to even, every week even and i was yeah even though it's frustrated whenever sunday night they announced the game is canceled like, Fuck. yeah yeah um we have that to look forward to the, the young kids coming through brian reynolds tanner testman uh Cervania, to an extent Sealy looking like a baller for the you know five minutes he gets to play every other game um and I just want to tell Reggie Cannon and any of the hip hop people that listen to hip hop, it's okay to have a younger top five <laughs> greatest of all time list that because uh, uh, um, if you guys you guys should definitely go listen to that podcast that Reggie is on. But they talked about their top five um, legends in hip hop, and yeah. it's you know it's the it's the usual Pac, uh, Jay Z, but it, like it's the, the usual it, old head it, versus young head. Yeah, argument. it's it's the usual old head versus young head, and Reggie's Reggie's cool, and he's uh he's personable enough to understand that who he's talking to. So he went with an older top five. You know, it's like the Pac, Biggie, Jay Z. Um, but it's okay to have a younger top five. It's okay to say you like little baby. It's okay to say that Kendrick will be the goat at some point. You know, that's all. I just want to tell you guys, if you're listening this far ahead, it's okay to like newer people and like newer music. Young thug is not a bad rapper. It's not mumble rap, 
listen to whatever you want to listen to, appreciate music more, dance a little bit, get out. The weather is better than what it has than it's been in a couple of days. Um, that's about it. I mean, I, you know, we, we can't give up the, the club sucks, but there are other things other than this club. And don't be afraid we still to have speak to speak your mind and don't, don't be, be afraid, afraid to, to speak your mind. Ask for better. Yeah. Ask for better and better for yourself. Um, dance a little bit, have a better day. I really think this club can be frustrating and it can suck, but there are good players on there on the team. There are good people on the team. There are good people on the staff. And I think those are the people that we can still support and still watch every week. And now Wednesday and Saturday. I love so. Matt Hedges. I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Matt Hedges, and I think that's it, guys. I w- we could wrap it up. I want Matt and Hedges hope- and my kids, and my kid, Matt Hedges' kid, and my kids to be friends, playing on the same soccer. Matt teams. Hedges and I can just sit around and look at our kids, just like. Psh. Oh, and small thing for the pod. Hopefully, uh, we don't we don't take another month and a half. And if so, I hope you have a great month and a half. If we take a month and a half, it's because I'm thinking about Matt Hedges and I, Joe. I love you. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully the next time we do one of these, it's on a little bit better of a note. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Reggie Cannon, though. Dallas till I die. Matt Hedges till I die. Hunts out. Fuck Houston. Peace. Peace.